You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Eric Erdman. My name is Eric. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Today we're going to finish up our series, God Is. Over the last five, six weeks, we've been walking through the characteristic, the attributes of God. God is love. God is holy. God is mercy. He's unchanging. He's all-knowing. And this morning, we're going to be finishing up that series. And so what I want to do is, if you've got your Bibles, encourage you to pull them out. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 62. If you've got you version on your phone, join me there. And if you don't, that's okay. I'm going to read it out loud so you can just follow along. But as we start our time together today, what I want to do is I want to allow God's Word to, to propel us into our time. I'm just going to read the Psalm, Psalm 62 in its entirety. Not going to stop, not going to make any comments. Just read it and allow it to move us forward in our time together. So if you've got your Bibles, Psalm 62... If you don't, this is a psalm. It's a psalm of David. It says this. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. And this morning, we're asking that you would lead us to a place like King David where we could boldly confess that you're trustworthy, you're faithful, and that you are a refuge and we can run to you. Jesus, we give you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Man. So Psalm 62, I wanted to start with this psalm because it's a psalm that, that is read and sung by God's people that's meant to foster and, and to cultivate this confidence of God's love and his care for his people. And so my prayer for us as we read that is that we would have this fostered, this cultivated confidence in God's care for us. Because the reality is, is God is our refuge. That God is our refuge and we can run to him. But what I know, I'm human, you're human. Our natural response in times of trouble, times of trials, uncertain circumstances, our natural response is not to run to God. If you're anything like me, our natural response is to despair, to lose hope, to give up. Or what I think is more common is we try to gain security in something other than God, something that we can control, something that we can grasp, something that we can see and taste and feel and touch. We want control. And the challenge from David then this morning is if you want to live with God as a refuge, he is He's faithful, but we need to be able to trust him. And that's the thing that might trip us up. When David says, trust in him at all times. For some of us, when things are going good and life's good, our kids are behaving, we're healthy, job's going good, we feel like we don't have stress, it's easy to trust God. But then something happens. We have a death in the family or we get a diagnosis we're not ready for or, or we have a relationship that seems to be broken up in our lives. That's when we're like, God, can I truly trust you? Do you have what's best for me out in plan? And so what I want to do this morning is we seek to live with God as a refuge, a place, a shelter, a strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. We can run to him. 
I want to give us a statement, and I want to ask us a question to see maybe areas in our life where we're not fully trusting God. The statement is this. We've said it before, but I think it's so true that what we worry about the most often reveals where we trust God the least. That what we worry about the most often reveals where we trust God the least. And then the question is simple, and the question is simply this. What are you most worried about? What are you most worried about? When you're in bed at night, and man, you're just so tired from the day, but your brain won't shut off, what is it that you're thinking about? When you drive to work in the morning, and you don't even remember your commute, but you're parked, and there's your workplace, and you got to step in, what was it that was consuming your thoughts? What are you most worried about? A couple Sundays ago, we were in our Sunday Morning Connections volunteer meeting. It's a meeting of staff and some volunteers that are serving, greeting, making coffee. If you'd love to be a part of that team, you're wanted, you're needed. Stop your next steps, find some information. Um, but here's where we were. We were sitting in this meeting, and Carter, he's leading the meeting, and he asks this question. He just simply asks, what are you most worried about? And then we break up into in groups of three and four, and so I sat in a group with Dave and Marie Westfall, and, and they shared that they're worried about Dave's health. They're worried about his health moving forward. They shared that they have an adult granddaughter that's far from the Lord that they're worried about, and so we stopped and we, and we prayed for what they're most worried about. And I sat in a group with Janet Kuhn, and Janet shared she's worried about Todd, her husband's health, as he battles cancer and all the complications that come with that. And so we stopped, and, and we prayed. And then it got to me, and I shared, I'm really worried that uh, my hairline's receding. I'm going to be bald by the time I'm 30. And, and now I'm worried that you guys are looking like, yeah, he's not far off. Uh, no, I shared, I shared, I'm worried that I'm not enough. Anybody can relate to that? I'm worried that there's too much to do, and I can't get it all done. I'm worried that as a husband, I'm not loving, leading, serving my wife well the way that Jesus calls me to. That I'm not stirring up her affection for the Lord the way that I think she stirs my affection for the Lord. And I'm worried that as a parent, I'm not doing what Paul says to the Ephesians to bring my children up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And I'm worried that there's car projects and home maintenance. We got water in the basement last night from all the rain that fell so fast. There's too much to do. I can't get it all done. And I'm worried. And then they stopped and they prayed. And it was amazing. And I wish we could, we could do that this morning where we could break off in five, six groups of people and, and share that and pray. And that's why it's so important to live in community. And if you're not plugged into a small group, I want to encourage you to take that step today. But here's what, what the reality is. I want you to think about this question. What are you most worried about? Because what we worry about the most often reveals where we trust God the least. And if we want to live with God as our refuge, that is who he is. He is our refuge. He is our safety, our strength, our shelter. He's faithful. We have to trust him. And so we have to ask the question that's really foundational to humanity living in relationship with the living God. It's one of the first questions that humanity had to answer. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And the question is this. Is God trustworthy? Is God trustworthy? The creation story, God forms Adam from the dust and he breathes his life into him and he gives him one rule. You may eat freely from every tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He takes a rib from Adam and he makes Eve and Eve must have learned this rule from Adam. You may eat from every tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But then Genesis chapter 3 comes and the serpent shows up on the scene. And the serpent begins to plant these seeds of doubt and this is what the scripture says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And in a moment's notice, the, the serpent, he asks the question, he twists what God has said, and he plants the seed of doubt in Eve. Is God trustworthy? 
God set these rules. He set these boundaries. That's for our benefit. But is that really true? Can I trust God? And now all of a sudden, Eve's got a decision to make. Just like you and I have a decision to make. We make about 35,000 or so decisions every single day. And in the face of that, we have to choose. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I can see? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I desire? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I can control, what I can get my hands on, what I can take power and control of? We have a choice to make. Am I going to trust God or am I not? And Eve has a choice to make, and a couple verses later, she sees the tree, it looks good, the fruit looks delicious to eat, she wants the wisdom it would give her, and so she eats. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, is God trusted? Do I trust God? And what I love in the midst of this, the psalm that we started with this morning is David just boldly proclaims it. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, the good, the bad. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That's confidence. That's a man who trusts the Lord. And how do we get there? I want to give us three reasons that God is trustworthy. Three reasons then that we can run to him, that he is our shelter, he is our strength, he is an ever-present help in times of trouble, he is our refuge. So three reasons. First is this, reasons we can trust God. God has been faithful in the past. God has been faithful in the past. There's this theme that keeps coming up in the Old Testament time and time again. It comes up in Genesis, comes up in Exodus, Deuteronomy, the Minor Prophets. It's, it's all over the place. And this theme is this. Remember. Remember. Remember God. Remember his faithfulness. Remember what he has done on your behalf as you have lived in relationship with him. Remember. So the Israelites, they've been enslaved by the Egyptians for 430 years. And Moses then stands before the people. This is when they're going to be led out by God uh, into the wilderness, out of slavery. And this is what Moses says. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Moses is saying, Remember. Remember this day. Who? When the Lord brought you out from this place. Remember. This is something to remember. This is God's faithfulness in the past. And then they make their way out and they get to the Red Sea and Moses is going to remind them, remember that when you got to the Red Sea, you were not stopped, but you crossed through on dry land. And the most powerful military force in the world at the time was stopped behind you. It did not catch you. Remember then when you go into the wilderness and you were hungry, God made manna and quail come down from heaven. He provided. Remember when you were thirsty, water came from a rock. Remember when you were wandering, God's presence was with you. He guided you by day, by cloud and by fire, by night. Remember, remember what? Remember God's faithfulness. God has been faithful in the past. That's why the Israelites, they had this practice of building Ebenezer's, these memorials, these piles of stones. Anytime God did something significant, they would pile these stones. And so anytime they'd walk by it, they'd remember what God did, what's anything significant God did. And what I love in scripture is that when they would walk by these, they, oftentimes when they were building these, they'd say, and so when the children ask what this means, you get to share God's faithfulness with them, passing it down generation to generation. But the question I have for you is, what does this look like for you in your life? What are some things that you could go back in your past that remind you of God's faithfulness in your life? I think it'd be great for us, every single one of us, if we spent 15 minutes this afternoon looking at our past and re reflecting on and seeing God's faithfulness in there. Here's one of mine. This is a Bible. This was a gift I got from my wife when we were still just dating in high school. And it was a Bible she gave me, and it came with just a little post-it note sticking out the top, marking page 187. And it had these two verses in green highlighted. The rest, the yellow and the pencil, that's me as I've read throughout the years. 
But she gave it to me at a time when she knew I was worried, and she just gave it to me, and I read it. And I just remember sitting in my bedroom, reading that verse for the very first time, and praying that, and just having this overwhelming peace ushered in that I could not explain. And now, every single time that I step into an uncomfortable situation, and I'm stressed, and I'm worried, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm anxious, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness in the past, that if he's done it before, he can do it again. Because that's who he is. He's faithful. What's that look like for you? What are some moments? What are some memories? What are some milestones? Where are some people in your life that when you look back, you can see God's faithfulness in the past so when you step into something in the present, you can be reminded of it today? Can we trust God? God's been faithful in the past. And secondly, God has been faithful in the present. He is faithful in the present. So the Israelites, they're wandering. They, they're at the, the Jordan River. On the other side is the promised land. All they got to do is step in. So Moses, God tells Moses to send out 12 scouts. So they send out 12 scouts. 12 of them go out. They scout the land for 40 days. They come back. 10 of them have a bad report. 10 of them have a bad report. They say, listen, the land's awesome. The fruit looks good to eat. Here's the thing. The towns are large. They're fortified. The people are big. There's even some giants in there. Anybody who crosses through this land is going to be devoured. And this bad report begins to spread throughout the community of Israel. People are wailing, complaining. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. They're saying, man, it would be better for us to just go back to Egypt, go back to slavery. And in a moment's notice, in the moment's notice, when they step into something that looks scary on the other hand, they forget God's faithfulness in the past. Ever happened to anybody? Man, you're just, you're, you're walking along, you step into something, and all of a sudden you forget all that God has done in the past, and you just look in the present moment with fear and trepidation. Joshua is one of the scouts. He's one of the two that come back with a good report. And I want us to see something. Joshua says something so significant. We can't miss it this morning. And this is what he says. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. This is the promised land. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. And here's the key. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of that. And what Joshua recognizes here is, is the success of the Israelites is not dependent on the, upon the land that they're entering into. The success of the Israelites is not dependent upon the opposition that they face or the strength or the numbers that they have in themselves. No, the success of the Israelites is solely dependent upon the faithful presence of God in their lives. This is the promised land. He's going before them, he's going behind them, and he's going with them. And that's the good news of Jesus for us today is, is he lived a sinless, perfect life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. And then he gives his disciples this great commission and this beautiful promise that reigns true for us today when he says this, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then here's the promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The good news of Jesus isn't that every time we step into something that's uncomfortable or hard or scary that he pulls us out. The good news of Jesus is that whenever we step into a situation like that, he's with us. He didn't pull Daniel out of the lion's den. He was with him in it. He didn't pull Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace. He was with him in it. And the truth is, he might pull you out of the situation you find yourself in now or in the future, and he might not. But you can take confidence in that he goes with you in it. He's with you. That's faithful in the past. He's faithful in the present. And maybe you're saying to me today, Eric, okay, you sound like you believe it, but I'm struggling to see God's faithfulness in, in my life. And so I want to give you two practical ways, just practical ways I think we can see God's faithfulness today. And the first one is this. 
Keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal. It doesn't have to be anything extensive. Areas, situations, people in your life that you're praying for, bold prayers, big prayers, little prayers, prayers that you think God might not even be interested in. And just watch how God works. Watch how God answers them. If I can take you in mind, I don't actually have a prayer journal. I have a prayer index cards. I just write on these little index card note cards. Um, but a month and a half ago, my wife and I, we took in a two-day-old foster baby from the hospital. And the days after that, man, they're crazy. You got visits at your house with caseworkers. Then you got to take the baby to doctor's appointments. You go to the foster closet, which is amazing ministry. Get swaddles and, dipes and diapers and wipes and all this stuff. It's just, it's just hectic. And my wife was going to take the brunt of most of this work. And I knew it was going to be a lot for her. And so the next morning in my, my prayer cards, I'm praying that in my prayer walk. I'm praying the exact same scripture that she highlighted on the Bible she gave me in high school. I'm praying, God, would the peace of God guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus? Would the peace of God guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus today? I pray that all throughout the day. I get home and I ask Mo, I say, hey, Mo, how was your day? And if you know my wife, she was a Marine right out of the high school, so she gets stuff done. Like, she's just a go-getter. And usually she's like, yeah, we did this. I cleaned this. The project's done. Me and the kids did this. And I ask her that. And I say, how was your day? She looks at me and she goes, it's peaceful. I said, what? She's like, yeah. She's like, there was so much to do, but I just felt that peace the whole time. And it's all I could do just to thank God for his faithfulness today in the present. So one, I would just encourage you, keep a prayer journal, big prayers, bold prayers, little prayers, things that you don't even think God would be interested. Write them down and just see how God might work. And you can see his faithfulness. And then the second one is this, look for fruits of the spirit. Just practically, joy, kindness, love, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. If you see any of this in your life, that's God's faithfulness today. Because fruits of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit working in believers as they live in relationship with Jesus and producing this fruit. It's God's faithfulness today. Peace is not the absence of problems. It's the faithfulness of God's presence in our life today. And so look for it. Be on the lookout for it. God's been faithful in the past. God's faithful in the present and then the third way, we know God is trustworthy. We can live with him as our refuge, is God will be faithful in the future. God will be faithful in the future. We go back to the Israelites. They're standing at the edge of the Jordan. They just got to walk in. I mean, this is the promised land. This is, this is where, in Genesis chapter 12, when God appears to Abram and he says, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you to leave this land and go to a foreign land. Genesis chapter 12, the story, Abram traveled through the land. As far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And so the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. This is the promised land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so we go back to, to the Israelites as they're leaving uh, Egypt and they're walking through the wilderness. They're at the Jordan River. They're looking at this land. The Lord said to Moses, this is when he's sending out the scouts. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, the Canaanites, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. This is the promised land. And what blows me away when I read this story, I don't know about you, but this is the promised land. God's been faithful in the past. He's faithful in the present. He's with them. And now, now all they got to do is step into this land that's been promised for generations. And all of a sudden, this bad report gets back to Israel. And instead of looking to the future with God's faithfulness in mind, they begin to look at it with fear and trepidation. I think, what? You just got to step into it. And then I, I take a step back and I realize, man, how many times do I do that in my life? I can see God's faithfulness so clearly in my past. He's faithful in the present. I, I know his Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of me, but when I look to the future, I don't often do so seeing God's faithfulness in it, but I do so with fear and trepidation. And the end of the story has already been written for the Israelites, and the good news for you and me today is the end of our story has already been written. We can take confidence in, in this. The Apostle John in Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said this, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm thankful this morning, and I hope you are too, of a God who's faithful in the past, faithful in the present. He's already faithful in the future that there will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain, and everything will be made new. God's been faithful in the past. God is faithful in the present. God will be faithful in the future. He's trustworthy. We can trust him. He's our shelter. He's our strength. He's our refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. And so I want to change the question that I asked you this morning. I started by saying, what are you most worried about? And I hope you got something in your mind, but now I want to switch the question. I want to ask you this. Where are you running with your worries? Where are you running with your trials? Where are you running with your job insecurity? Where are you running with the adult parent who now for the first time in your life, you have to worry about how you're going to care for them and you have no idea how you're going to add it to your plate. As a parent, maybe you got kids going to school. Where are you running with that? Are they going to be safe this year? Where are you running with your scary diagnosis? Where are you running with your worries? Maybe some of us, we're running to our careers. We're saying, hey, if I just make a big climb the ladder, make enough money, I can escape the situation that I'm in. Maybe some of us, we're running to our families. If I just immerse myself in being a grandpa, a grandma, a mom, dad, a husband, wife, then I can escape the situation that I'm in. Maybe we're running to substances, drugs, alcohol, food, caffeine. We're just trying to numb and escape the situation that we find ourselves in. Where are you running to? And hear me on this. Some of these things that I mentioned, they're not necessarily bad things. Some of them are blessings, family and food. From the Lord, they bring us joy, but they are not and they cannot be your refuge. They're an escape. Only God is truly our refuge. He is our strength. He is our shelter and ever-present help in times of trouble. My wife and I, we're fostering a two-year-old girl right now. And, and she oftentimes gets these scary dreams in the middle of the night. She gets scared. She doesn't run to her toys. She doesn't run to her favorite shirt that she loves to wear. She doesn't run to her favorite books she loves to read. Miss Nelson is missing. No, she runs to Mama Mo. She runs to me. She finds us in the dark. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't run to anything else. Run to God. Because God is our refuge. And so run to him. Run to him with your trials. Run to him with, with the diagnosis you got. Run to him with your family problems, your broken relationships. Whatever it is, run to him. Run to him with your joy. Run to him with your thankful, your gratitude, your, the good things in your life. Just run to him. He just wants to spend time with you. Run to him. And I know what maybe some of you are saying this morning is, is, I can't. I can't run to him. Maybe I don't have the strength to do so. Maybe you find yourself in a situation that you just can't find yourself out of, and you're saying, I can't run to him. Here's what I encourage you to do. Call out to him from where you're at. God, Abba, Father, I need you. Like I said earlier, our two-year-old foster daughter sure tried to find us in the middle of the night when she's scared. We were on vacation. We were staying in a new place. And in the, in the dark, in the unfamiliar, unfamiliar place that we were in, she tried to find us. She gets lost. And so she just stays where she's at, and she just calls out to me, Dada! Dada, Dada. And that's all I needed to hear from my love for her to drive me out of bed to go find her, to scoop her up, give her a hug, and say, it's okay. It's all going to be okay. You're all right. And isn't that the beauty of the gospel? We could do nothing to get to God. We could do nothing to earn salvation, nothing to get in right relationship, right standing with God, but God. How beautiful are those words? But God moves towards us in grace. But God moves towards us and he leads with love. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So I want to encourage you this morning, run to him. With the good, the bad, the ugly, run to him. And if you cannot, call out to him from where you're at. If you just picture the storm scene, a tornado swirling, lightning falling, hail falling, and you see the refuge, if you can run to it, what are you going to do? You're going to run to it. And the beauty about our God is he is alive. He's not just some shelter out in the distance, but if you can't make it, call out to him from where you're at, and he will meet you where you're at. And here's my prayer. My prayer, I've been praying this all week for us, is that we would be able to join in the psalmist in Psalm 91 when he repeats, when he, when he writes this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. I encourage you today. If you're walking through something, a trial, a tribulation, whatever it is, run to him. And if you cannot, call out to him from where you're at. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.